The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal. Joined, as always, by uh, our intrepid reporter, Tiger basketball beat writer, Jason Munns. It's been a, uh, it's the off season, but uh, it has not stopped the steady flow of uh, program-altering uh, news, I guess, or potentially program-altering news in Tiger, the Tiger basketball world. Um in the past week or so, we've seen uh, a notice of allegations released with new uh, level one violations. Um, released being the key word. Um, Memphis has known about them for a while. Um, now everyone else does. And uh, it is uh, an interesting moment in time for the program. So that's happened. And then, oh, by the way, the normal just kind of chaos of the college basketball off season that is now here to stay with the transfer portal. Well, that's beginning too, because we had uh, transfers within the Memphis program already. So we'll get to all of that on today's podcast. Talk to you about, again, the NOA situation, the transfers recruiting, maybe to get it, get into the final four a little bit. Um, a lot to unpack, Jason. Um, we got to start with the NOA, the, 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 IRP case that just will not end um and it is uh three years into this we now know Memphis has been charged with four level one violations and at least two level two violations after the release again of this it was heavily redacted so we don't know a lot but we know some now we know more than we did um Penny Hardaway directly implicated in one of those level one violations and two of the level twos um, it's serious, serious charges. They hit for the cycle in terms of NCAA buzzwords, lack of, uh, lack of institutional control, failure to monitor, uh, head coach responsibility and, uh, you know, failure to compliance bordering on what, what seems like accusations of uh, obstruction. So a lot of <laughs> members is facing as a result of that James decision to play James Wiseman, uh, a investigation that was triggered by that has now netted them that uh, uh, not-so-great distinction. Um, Munz, you've been digging into this. It's hard to it's hard to really, like, recap all of this. It, it, it's so much now, it feels like. There's so much to explain because it's three years of, you know, accusations, uh, back and forth, um, obstruction, you know, in terms of, like, not not many people uh, wanting to talk about the details, um, but you've been digging into this, and I'm curious. You know, people listening to this podcast probably know the broad strokes of this whole deal by this point. But you've been digging. What's what's one thing you think in this whole in this whole situation maybe is getting overlooked in the reporting of it? Did you say in the beginning, did you say welcome to another edition or to a depressing edition of the <laughs> Tiger basketball podcast? Well, listen, we don't, it doesn't, ha- it, oh, we, 
we determine whether it's depressing, Muns. Okay, we, we're here. We, maybe we can. Maybe we can. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be depressing. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily. It's not going to be happy. That's for. I mean, it, we're not rejoicing. You know, <laughs> like that's uh, that would be. But like, uh, you know, we can we can get into this. I, you know, I think there's obviously going to be. It's clearly there's going to be some repercussions from all this, and it's going to be difficult. Uh, it's going to be a difficult period of time at some point. Whenever this case is adjudicated, it feels like to me the ramifications of it, at the very least, they're going to they're going to affect the program negatively in some way. I think there's some question as to how negatively it'll affect the program. You know, the the sanctions. You know, yeah. I, I so that, but like ultimately, the one thing I found from from dealing with this is that. If you talk to five people who are very familiar with the process, you'll get five different answers on how this is going to play out. Because, and I think that's the nature of NCA infractions cases. It's why schools get so frustrated by the process. It's a bit arbit. It's like arbitrary. They, there's not. Sometimes there's not rhyme or reason to what they do. Like, you know, just because NC State's IARP case was adjudicated one way doesn't mean the IARP is going to adjudicate this one this the same way. Um, and that's been, that was the case with the committee, or at least that's a possibility. That was the case with the committee on infractions. And, you know, I do think Memphis has a point in its argument that the IARP was not what they build it to be necessarily. Like it does feel like it acts a lot like the NCA. Then again, like, ultimately, um, the NCAA, you know, someone's got to, you know, sort of be the arbiter of college sports. It just feels like the current organization has lost its way. And I think Memphis has made raised some valid points in all of this. But the reality is, is that they just played this wrong. And um, they're going to be affected in some way by that. The severity being the key the key sort of element now that we need to figure, you know, that, that people will need to, you know, want to know. Um, so, but I'm curious, I mean, you're, you know, what, what do you think, what aspect of this fascinates you the most? You know, what, what do you think is really at stake here um, for Memphis? Well, I don't know that, I mean, like you used the word overlooked. I mean, honestly, like this has been like, we have covered this like front to back, top to bottom, other, uh, media organizations, both locally and nationally, have have really reported this thing out over the course of the last couple of years, um, like extensively. So, yeah. as you know, but like as far as the new stuff that's come out, I, again, I, I I still think that we have um, we've been comprehensive in our coverage with what's been made available to us, but but. Uh, you know, I guess I guess the thing that that I keep kind of uh, I don't know if I'm marveling at is is the scope of this. I mean, like this is not just yeah. this is not just the NCAA looking at Penny Hardaway. This is not just the NCAA getting cross with David Rudd. Um, like, you know, I'm looking at the they even the looked at football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Like they pulled that into it. But like I'm looking at this full list of um, people who were interviewed at some point or another. And one thing that did kind of jump out to me, I, I, you know, like we got so many documents as part of our open records request that there was it made it tough to go through it all, um, you know, with deadlines looming and 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 those sorts of things, you know, trying to hit the high points, you know, find trying to ferret out the high points. Um, but one thing I, I did think was pretty interesting was that, uh, there, there's a document it's called, it said it's, it's, it's labeled as the final exhibit list in support of response to the notice of allegations. And it lists, it lists an interview with, with Penny Hardaway on July 16th, 2019, which would have been well before the case was even opened. Um, well, like, what, what, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. Well, cause it's, it's, uh, they have not, they have, I, I don't, I've still yet to see one of the key contentions in this case that originally started it is the fact that the NCAA at some point along the way gave some sort of approval of James Wiseman's eligibility. That's what was put into his lawsuit by his lawyers, James Wiseman, at the beginning of this, when this all started in November, was this contention that he was preliminarily, at the very least, at some point he was approved, his eligibility was approved by the NCAA. Um, I can read I can read that that to you, like the quotes from his lawsuit uh, real quick. They're, they're pretty short. If you want me to yeah. just for, just to set the scene here, um, mm-hmm. the quotes from the quotes that are included in his lawsuit, it, it starts this way. The NCAA and the university of Memphis conducted a thorough cooperative assessment and review. Um, you know, and then I stopped the quote and says for, and, the, and you know, that's in regard to Wiseman's amateurism certification, um, it says all information regarding Mr. Hardaway's financial assistance to Miss Artis, who is James Wiseman's mother, and other points of inquiry were sh- were shared with the NCAA prior to certification of Mr. Wiseman's eligibility. Um, mm-hmm. On and that was that was uh, in early 2019. In May, on May 29th, 2019, the NCAA released James Wiseman's final amateurism certification. Soon after that, they stated that Wiseman's certification was an error, quote, but representing but represented to the university that the NCAA would honor its previous eligibility decision. That's from Wiseman's case. Correct. Correct. Yes. But the NCAA has never confirmed that version. They like we've never heard the NCAA's side of that story other than they announced other than they announced that night he played against Illinois, Chicago. They announced that uh, he was likely ineligible. Um, right. We've never heard the other side of that story, if you will. Um, but so that's interesting that Penny was in July 2019, which is, you know, because the notice of inquiry, inquiry that ultimately led to him, it, Wiseman's, you know, going you know, basically them looking at it again, didn't come until the end of October. And that's actually. Right. You know, that's actually part of the IRP case. I think that is that is officially when the NCAA started looking into Wiseman's eligibility again and ultimately 
well, you know, three years later, let us hear. Almost three years later, let us hear. I guess it's two and a half. We're at two and a half years. Let's give it. It's not. It hasn't been three years yet. Um, yeah. but, um, so. But yeah, it, it think, all started think, there, and now you're right. The breadth of it. We st- we it started with that. Literally, it probably on Ju- July. You know, July 2019 is probably when this really maybe started. You know, like when you know that could if he has an interview all the way back then that they're citing yeah. in their case. Um, and, um, and then they had a se- they had a second interview and, with Penn on October 23rd of that same year, 2019, which still would have been right. before. Yeah. Yeah. Still would have been before the notice of inquiry, the official notice of inquiry. He had another interview uh, with the, with the NCAA. So I, I, I found that to be pretty interesting. Um, and then, you know, there are, there are a lot of names in here that you would expect to be in here. Tony Madlock, mm-hmm. Cody Topper, Kristen Kelly, uh, who's who's the former. Kristen uh, Kelly was like the head of compliance during that time. Yeah, Mike Miller, Sam Mitchell, um, you know, David Rudd, Laird Veach. But then you see like Tom Bowen and, and Tubby Smith. And uh, I, I thought it was great that Tubby was interviewed. Like, I thought that was just very, that was very poetic. The guy who like couldn't really, didn't really dabble in this. Couldn't get five stars, um, especially locally struggled um, and gets fired in part because of that. You know, it was also because no one was going to the games. He gets dragged into it, too. Like (laughs) and like, honestly, like, honestly, that doesn't feel like it's great. Like it's great for Memphis in the sense that like a guy with no ties to Memphis being interviewed. And I'm not saying Tubby. This is applies to Tubby, but someone who doesn't have ties to Memphis, like, might be more willing to like say damaging things, whether they True. know, truly fully know or not. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, really, truly, not. I shouldn't say that. They're more inclined to give their real side of the story. You know. And it says here uh, in this document that I'm looking at right now. It says. Um, you know, it says it says what these interviews pertain to um, each one of them. And, and for Tubby, it says it, it, it's in regards to compliance and institutional control. So, you know, I think that's what what we can glean from that is that, you know, the, the NCAA is just trying to get to determine whether or not there was a pattern, um, you know, you know, what things were like in Tubby's experience from from that from that aspect. Yeah, no, it's. uh that is, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like, I don't think people under truly understand how little we actually know about what is going on in this. Like people with this NOA release are reacting as if they know, every, you know, like we don't know most of the charges, most of the stuff the NCA has against Memphis, most of the stuff, which could determine the severity of the punishment was redacted. You know, like uh, of the four level one violations, only the only the obstruction level one violation was like not redacted to the point that like uh, you could sort of figure out what was going on, you know, um, and may, there was the other one that that blame, it was a shorter violation. If you read it, if you read the notice of allegations and it pertained to the head coach responsibility. So maybe you can get you, you're 
the gist of it is like that that one is like basically the level one against Penny, where it's like everything that went wrong is ultimately the head coach's fault type of level right. one violation. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's interesting. It, it, that's what's fascinating to me. But like, to your point, like they had 29 witness interviews, you know, different witnesses, 29 different witnesses. And like, if you read over some of the documents we have, I put this in my column up at commercial.com, like, Memphis turned over like 500,000 pages of documents to them eventually. They did. The NCA claims they didn't do it on time. They were egregiously late. Like the NCA asked for uh, documents within 30 days when this thing started. Uh, or like August 2020, I guess, they asked for that. And Memphis didn't turn over documents till like February. Um, but they nonetheless turned over a lot of documents ultimately. And um, Penny Hardaway total sat for four interviews, Jason. Um, And they totaled like 276 pages of transcripts. Like (laughs) they talked to Penny a lot for this. Um, But you're right. The witness list is fascinating because that's, I mean, ultimately, What's in that redacted version, for the most part, those are the witness interviews. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it it says witness whatever said such and such, according to Memphis did this, this, and this, according to witness whatever, you know? Um, I think, uh, so I think it's, it's, it's important to emphasize as we talk about this, there's so much more to that will that will eventually come out um, to help contextualize everything that's going on for the program. And that's why it's really hard to predict what's going to happen. Exactly. You know, like it's hard to say, you know, will is a postseason ban on the table? Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. Sure. I think what you're I think quietly what I'm hoping for. And again, I don't, again, you ask five different people, you get five different answers in terms of how this will turn out. But. If I had to guess, I think what you're hoping for is it's just like, you're just like, okay, there's going to be a postseason ban, but like, you know, you're, ho- I think giving Memphis multiple years of postseason bans would be like terrible. Like it's almost like the closest thing to, it's like, it wouldn't be a death sentence, but it'd be really harsh. It feels like, um, and I just feel like the way things are trending with the NCA with how deregulated it is that would come off as like an, like, like, I don't know if you want to like, that's, I don't think that's fair, you know, but I also think, um, the reality is, is if they get, if, you know, if they get hit with multiple level ones, even if like, usually when they put stuff in an NOA, like for the most part, it sticks. Um, maybe the IRP will be different, but it felt like that NOA was setting up to where, you know, they felt pretty, they feel pretty good about, uh, what they've got against Memphis. Like it was a strong NOA. Um, and the, even if, here, here, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but here's a point I'd like to, that I'd like to make, um, about all of this. If, 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 if we learn nothing else about this process, mm-hmm. uh, after, the way you know after the after all the documents were released uh, over the weekend it's that there doesn't seem to be much 
of a difference between the NCAA's investigation, uh, um, like the way the NCAA handles investigations and the way the IRP handles investigations. It seems very uh, much like, you know, the same type of deal. Um, yeah. And that's is, a Memphis you know, complaint. Memphis, Memphis's rebuttal to the obstruction charges is basically like, this process was not what we signed up for. Like right. you guys said, this was going to be independent of the NCAA. And this looks like the NCAA, smells like the NCAA, talks like the NCAA. Now, that being said, we haven't gotten to the end of this process yet. And so very, it, it's entirely possible that, that the, um, you know, the, the resolution panel uh, is different. Like whatever, you know, whatever happens post-investigation could be could very well be uh, a step forward. You know, it could very well be, you know, what people hoped this would be a, a more independent uh, uh, institution friendly thing. Uh, fair, you know, just a more fair system. Um, but we just don't know that yet. And, and I think going back a little bit, I think your point about um, how little we still actually know about any of this that's probably the most overlooked uh thing you know to 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 come out of the new developments you know like that that's we we yeah. still just aren't anywhere close to knowing exactly what's either a what's going to happen or b uh what specifically what they're has looking, yeah what they're looking into like yeah. ultimately you know we know about mike miller's computer you know you can you can draw some conclusions from that, but I don't know if they're accurate. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can, you can take that to some places. The fact that they were trying to get his computer and the fact that, you know, his computer got wiped, whether that's a normal thing or not. I don't, I, I don't know. Like that, that's why it's hard to make a leap, you know, like maybe Memphis just wiped his computer out because he was an employee leaving. Um, that's what, you know, ultimately, Memphis didn't even contend that Memphis contended. If you read the documents with the Mike Miller computer that they couldn't even like turn it on because like, it, it was like, they, they couldn't, it had been like, it was not able to reboot. That's what it's, they said, um, in their thing. And, um, they offered to take it to a neutral computer forensics thing to, to stunt, to get the hard drive or whatever. I don't I'm not the most technologically savvy guy, but you, you know what I mean? Get the stuff out of it. Um, yeah. and the NCA said, no, um, we have to take possession of it. And Memphis fought that, but ultimately did give them possession of the computer. Um, and then the NCA determined that it got wiped two days before they asked for it or two, two yeah, two, was it two days before they asked for it? Or two days before Mike Miller got Mike Miller left. I think it was two days before they asked for it. Two days before they asked for it. Um, and, uh, but it was, it coincided with Miller leaving, you know, um, yeah. it was not, you know, so, um, you know, like you, but you can make some leaps. Like, are they looking into something Mike Miller did, you know, like, cause they're looking for his computer. Obviously I would, I would think so, you know, like, um, so that can lead you in some directions in terms of what exactly they're digging into, um, but ultimately we don't know. It's all behind it's all it's all the stuff they found is behind that uh behind the 
the redacted portion of the uh, notice of allegations. And that's why ultimately, you know, if it wasn't that bad, I don't know. Maybe, you know, there, I think more of that, more of that is unredacted. We'll see. Um, you know, it's, a, you know, ultimately Memphis only knows the answer to that right now, but it's going to come out eventually. I don't, you know, I just don't know if you're going to get out of four level one violations. Maybe you can, maybe some, I, there's no point, there's no option here where the case just gets thrown out. You're hoping for some leniency. You're hoping maybe, you know, like I think an important thing going here, going right now is the fact that like the NCAA is getting besieged from like all directions. You know, sure. Congress is now looking into this process. You know, the David Kustoff bill that we wrote about in November uh, in the House that was the offshoot of the Wiseman of this whole situation, the NCAA Accountability Act of 2021. The other day, Marsha Blackburn and Cory Booker in the Senate, two of like the most different opposite ends of the spectrum in the Senate introduced their own version of the NCAA Accountability Act of 2021, very similar to the original in the Senate. Um, so there's that uh, going on. And, you know, the whole NCAA rule book is changing right now because of NIL, because of this, you know, they had a constitutional Congress this summer and they're rewriting the rule book. Um, and, you know, I ultimately believe if NIL rules were in place back when Wiseman was a junior in high school, like high schoolers can get NIL money and he would, he wouldn't have needed to get $11,500 from Penny Hardaway or whatever he ended up, you know, whatever it ended up, he took from Penny Hardaway or got from Penny Hardaway. Um, he would have just gotten NIL money, you know, like none of this would have happened. Now there's some mistake. There's certainly mistakes made. It seems by Memphis along the way to get reached this point. But if we go back to the beginning, you, you know, one, I think a thing working in Memphis's favor is that like, you know, this wouldn't, this just doesn't, this, this is like one of the last cases of this kind because of the new rules, you know? And like, ultimately how hard you, you really want to, I, I get it for, if you want to sanction Memphis for breaking the rule book, but if we're talking about the type of rule they broke, you know, ultimately, you know, it wouldn't, ha you know, it's all fair game. It, 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 it wouldn't happen now. You know what I mean? Like it would, they would have done it differently if the rule book was different and it is different, you know? So, yeah. um, that's what makes this all very, uh, you know, convoluted ultimately. Um, and maybe Memphis, maybe Memphis has a good argument, but you know, and maybe the IRP will be different than the NCA. So th that, th that's why this doesn't have to be depressing. Jason it doesn't have to be a depressing episode. Maybe, maybe this, maybe this, you know, maybe it's not as bad as you think. You know, I don't know. I think all outcomes are possible. You could tell me that the NCAA realizing that, you know, the their member schools in public are asking for, like, the infractions process to change and they treat Memphis differently. And, you know, you know, it's not as bad as we think. You could also tell me, like, the NCAA is they're like a they're like a cornered uh, badger, you know, and like. They're, they're, they're like a dying animal and they're just going to lash out or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, right. it, it's, it could go both ways. You know what I mean? It could be really bad. It could be, you know, not as bad as we think. I think all options are in play right now. Um, 
because, you know, you have to leave all options in play because we don't know enough about the K, the total to the, the totality of what the NCAA is uh, accusing Memphis of. Mark Silverlining Giannato. I like it. Yep. Yep. There you go. There like you go. It. So that's uh, that's uh, you're, if you're trying to look at it sunny side up, you know, like that's that's as sunny as I'm going to get on it, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the midst of all this, Jason, um, it's still the normal. There's other the normal or not. I don't know if normal is the right word to describe the transfer portal. Um, it still feels different. Um, but it's here to stay in college basketball and it's changed how the college basketball off season works. Um, the transfer portal has been a, a portaling. Um, you know, Memphis has, has seen four guys leave the roster three via transfer one, uh, to the NBA draft. Josh Minot declared for the NBA draft. Um, but it seemed like gave indications in his, when he spoke to ESPN that, even if he doesn't stay in the NBA draft, even though he intends to, um, there were indications that perhaps he would enter the transfer portal if he does return, but maybe Memphis would have a shot at bringing him back. I'm not sure, but it seems like he's set on, you know, kind of intent on going to the NBA at this point. Um, and then three players transfer entered the portal, Earl Timberlake, John Camden, and Sam Onu. I would say, especially given the gravity of the situation hovering over Memphis uh, with the IRP. Like, honestly, even though this happened similarly to last year, remember last year, like four guys transferred out, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um, yep. None of these guys were the level of those players to, to begin with uh, in terms of their contributions this past in the previous season. You know, losing Boogie, DJ, Musa, and Damian Ball uh, felt like a bigger blow, obviously. But then also, like, none of them felt particularly surprising, ultimately. Um, and it, it didn't, it felt like you mentioned the other day, like four to eight transfers. And if, you know, like, I think these, I think these guys would have been transferring no matter what was going on with the program, is the way I guess I would put it. Um, you said four to eight last week and I, and I would have guessed, you know, if you had told me these four were part of that four to eight, I would like, yeah, makes sense. So like, I kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if it's bad. I kind of just shrugged my shoulders. and was like, all right, well that, you know, let's see what Memphis gets out of the portal too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the, I mean, I know that there's a lot of nervousness, the timing of the release of these documents, you know, not great. Um, you know, but yeah, you were going to lose guys anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's really not been a very well-kept secret that Josh Minot is, uh, or, or wasn't exactly, um, happy, uh, for a variety of reasons, um, in his only season at, or in his freshman season at Memphis, you knew Jalen Duran was leaving. Uh, he hasn't yet declared, but he will declare for the NBA draft and he'll be gone. Uh, so you knew that you, you, you knew that, uh, John Camden and Sam Onu weren't particularly pleased with the fact that they got redshirted. Um, and, and I, and I don't know that they were overly happy with, you know, some other things, the, the way other things played out this season. Uh, you know, to this point, those are the only ones who, who, who have, you know, it's what 10 30 
um, March 31st, uh, 10.30 in the morning on March 31st. And so there's definitely uh, a pretty, it's likely that there will be more players who end up in the transfer portal. But again, it's not like it's completely out of left field. It just feels, it probably feels worse that it comes right on the heels of the release of these documents and these new details regarding Memphis's uh, infractions case. And also you throw into the mix the fact that Memphis doesn't have anybody uh, lined up, you know, or like in, in the, in the bag, so to speak, uh, to, to, to join the team for next season. I think there's, you know, a lot of nervousness uh, associated with that uncertainty. So, um, you know, I, I get it. I get why there there's a lot of, uh, you know, people on the edge of their seat. But, you know, it, it, it's it's not like this is just, you know, uh, uh, it's not like it's just completely out of left field. You know, even Cody Topper, um, you know, the, the the assistant coach who's been here for the last three seasons, like he's been he's been like looking for, uh, another job, uh, or, or be, I shouldn't say it that way. He's been open to the possibility of leaving for another job for a while. Um, you know, like he, he interviewed for at least one head coaching job, uh, last off season. Um, and, 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 and I'm told it's more than one that he interviewed for or, or was in the running a candidate for. Um, and you know, I mean, like, look, when a, when a P five conference comes calling and LSU came calling, you take it, you, you take the call. And, and so, uh, I, I just, I, I get that it, it's the timing of all this doesn't look great. Doesn't feel great, but, um, it was going to happen whether these details came out or not. Yeah, no. And like, listen, topper, it's not like topper's going to a place. Uh, it's like, uh, that's like uh, going. I mean, he's going to a head coach who's got, you know, a lot of security in Matt McMahon. But you know, Penny Hardaway's got a lot of security too. Um, you know, LSU signed McMahon to a seven-year deal, but LSU's dealing with the same. LSU's dealing with more level one violations than Memphis. Uh, yep. Like LSU's got, you know, LSU's got. I think LSU ultimately um, should be dealt. Like for instance, LSU should get dealt with much more harshly than Memphis based on. What's that, you know, at least on based on what we know so far now, maybe maybe Memphis's case under those under that, you know, uh, redacted section, there'll be something that warrants, you know, that, that makes you makes your eyebrows pop. But like LSU's got that already. And I would note LSU, it, it, one key difference here that I think we didn't point out in the previous discussion in terms of Penny Hardaway, you know, like I think. You know, LSU released their full NOA and immediately fired Will Wade. I think part of like, you know, redacting as much as Memphis did is also kind of a sign of what they think about Penny Hardaway's future as coach. Like they're trying to protect, they're making sure they protect him. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, as best they can, because they want him to be the coach. I, I don't think there's, I've gotten no indication that anyone over there at Memphis, even, you know, the new president, Bill Hargrave, who's starting soon, whatever, like, I don't think there's any appetite for trying to, to force Penny out at this point, you right. know? Um, and so 
that's another sort of uh, curveball in all this, and and it relates to recruiting um, and the transfer portal because I think I think you know people are asking, you know, people are wondering, oh, these guys or these people are leaving because maybe the you know now maybe because this is out there, even though we should point out Memphis sent its response to the uh, IRP on October 25th got the amended NOA July 9th. So this entire season, Memphis knew exactly what it was facing, okay, yeah. from the IP yeah. case. And they decided to, they clearly decided to wait till after the season to release it. But in doing that, they did kind of throw, you know, at some point they were going to have to put this out there. And putting it out there now um, will have a direct effect on recruiting, I think, maybe. I think that's going to be the true sign of, okay, how much is this NOA affecting things it's not which guys leave as much as it's who penny is able to bring back in you know like who's he able to get in the portal who signs up for this knowing this uncertainty is hanging over the program i think that's going to be the best the the big the best sign of okay how's this how's this affecting memphis immediately this the the fact they're facing this now you know we're going to know you know the long-term repercussions all depend on the sanctions but i think something to pay attention to because i think ultimately by putting this out there you know memphis is going to get negatively recruited big time every recruit there every transfer candidate every whatever there those kids the, the guys they're recruiting are going to hear from opposing coaches you know memphis could get a postseason ban you could you could not be able to play in the ncaa tournament if you go there like you know what i mean like yeah that, that's what's going to happen this offseason. And that's Penny's going to have to overcome that. That's something in the immediate. That, that's the, uh, if we're talking about like what's, what's the immediate effect, that is. Yeah. Yeah. No. So my counter to that would be, uh, you know, Kansas is still playing. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. It's, I'm not saying it's impossible to recruit, yeah. uh, you know, or impossible to win. Now, postseason ban would, I think the postseason ban would make, that's why I keep saying, like, I think there's going to, at some point along the way here, because I do think there's a a postseason ban is very much in play. Like, there could be a season here of Memphis basketball, maybe this coming season, maybe the season after that, you know, where it's like, it does, it's not great. It's, you know, it's not fun. I mean, Memphis has had to, you know, Memphis had a postseason ban during Larry Finch's first season as the head coach. Uh, back in the eighties. Um, and I'm sure maybe there's some fans listening to this who remember that, um, what it was like, but my gut. Yeah. I haven't been through that. I haven't covered one of those, but you have Jason, <laughs> like they're not that fun. Oh yeah. Like, uh, Southern. Yeah. When I, when I was covering Southern Miss back in Hattiesburg, um, in the fallout or I guess it, it really wasn't even the fallout yet. Southern Miss self-imposed back-to-back postseason bans because of uh, the investigation that was, you know, opened as a result of Donnie Tindall's um, uh, alleged improprieties uh, when he was the coach at Southern Miss. He had already moved on to coach at the University of Tennessee by the time this all started to, to trickle out. But um, yeah, Southern Miss, uh, in an effort to, you know, uh, get 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 things over with, they self-imposed back-to-back postseason bans and. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was gloomy. It was doomy and gloomy there for a while. And, and, uh, uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely no fun to have to sit through that sort of stuff. 
Well, gosh, dang it, Jason. We're ending the podcast here, and we said this wasn't going to be a depressing episode of the Tiger Basketball Podcast, and we just ended it kind of depressing. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know how to fix it. Dang it. Well, hopefully, hopefully that the, at least the immediate effect, hopefully Penny's still able to, to work the transfer portal uh, and recruiting like he, uh, he planned uh, or like he hoped. Um, and we'll see, you know, I, I, and I don't know what to tell you other than, um, we'll keep reporting on what's going on with the future of the program, with the state of the program here at commercial at the commercial appeal and commercial appeal.com. And, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. You know, you can shoot, you know, at this point, all you can do is, you know, hope for the best. I think if you're a Memphis fan in terms of, uh, what, what happens next, um, so I don't know. You have any words for the wise, Jason, as we uh, as we end this episode? Uh, no words for the wise. Only a shameless plug uh, to that in, to the end of uh, what you were talking about earlier about how uh, <laughs> the effect on recruiting. I've talked to some people who have opinions, um, you know, about about what things will look like uh, or could look like. Uh, as far as Penny Hardaway and Memphis and the and the and and recruiting this off season. and so uh, that story will be published, I would say, pretty soon. So uh, keep an eye out for that. By the time you listen to this, it will probably be published right um, over at commercialpeel.com. Jason will have Jason and I will have tons of coverage uh, as this proceeds. Uh, the season's over, um, but in some ways, it's uh, more eventful. Uh, <laughs> right now uh, than it's ever been, you know, than it's been in a while, at least for Memphis basketball. So make sure you're staying tuned to commercialappeal.com, this podcast for all the latest updates till next time. I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your week. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.